the FLX from FingerLakes1.com. I'm Ted Baker, and I love to reconnect with old friends. In the studio with me today are Maureen Loyal, Director of Rehabilitation Services for Finger Lakes Health, and physical therapist with Finger Lakes Health, Jim Madera. Great to see you, and uh, we can do video on everything this time. Morning. Thanks for having us. Thanks for being here. Let me start with you, Maureen, because you got started on the other side of the training table. You were an athlete at Penny Ann Academy and at William Smith, and so you saw rehab from the patient side. Yep. I was uh, at William Smith as a senior, and I tore my meniscus in my knee and had to have surgery on it. And and uh, when I went for therapy initially, I felt like um, they had four or five people going at the same time. And, and then I came to Geneva f- uh, for school and finished up with a therapist over there and who worked with me one-on-one. And what a difference that was to get me back on the court for my senior year and, and get us moving towards uh, winning the conference championship in 91. <laughs> how much different was it then? Because we've talked about how quick the turnaround times are now. Injuries that used to shelve people for months are now weeks or days. Yeah, so different. My my uh, surgery, I had to stay non-weight-bearing. I couldn't put weight on my leg for a few weeks. I couldn't return to play for like four months. But now um, this surgery, you pretty much come out walking on it as, as you could tolerate it and um, get back in, in maybe a month or so. So, Jim, tell us your story. You had your own private practice for a long time. What made you decide to go the path you did to hook up with Finger Lakes Health? Well, Maureen Loyal did. <laughs> I... Uh, I met Maureen uh, on the basketball court, I believe. Yep. <laughs> I didn't foul you, did I, Maureen? No, I stay no. with the older good, folks, good. so it's slower. So <laughs> <laughs> and um, we, we always had a good uh, relationship, even when we were, uh, quote, competitors. But uh, I would send people to Finger Lakes Health with their specialties, uh, with concussion and other areas that I always felt the patient had to receive the best care possible. And so when I sold, I took some time off and then I decided to uh, get back in the game. And Maureen said, Jim, if you're ever available, love to hire you. So I called her and she hired me. So that's great. What did that mean to get somebody like that with, with a, a reputation and a client list as part of the Finger Lakes Health team? Uh, you can ask for a better collaboration. You know. Um, Having Jim come on board with his expertise for our patients is great um, for us to treat an outpatient as well as a mentor to our young therapists who are new recent grads and they bounce ideas off each other and, and he helps um, show, you know, share his experiences. So it's a, it's a great situation for all of our programs at all our sites. You offer services at Garnsey Outpatient Rehab Center at Geneva General. Uh, also at Soldiers and Sailors in Penyan and you also have outpatient rehab services in Waterloo. Just give us kind of the overview of the variety of services that fall under rehab services. Well, for rehab, we have um, physical therapy, occupational therapy, and speech therapy. We treat orthopedic conditions that people normally think about therapy services, but we also, like Jim said, have concussion care, um, vestibular care for those that inner ear uh, balance issues. We also provide pelvic floor health um, for folks who have urinary incontinence, uh, prolapsed uterus, and that's for male and females. We are treating both uh, genders at, at, our, at Geneva and, at, and down in Penyan. So we're very fortunate to have, you know, in our supposed rural, more, you know, less uh, urban communities, the, the advantages to have services that you typically have to travel for. You don't have to. We have it right in our own backyard for different services. Explain the pelvic floor disorder a little bit more because I think that's something, you said it affects both women and men, but I think primarily it's known for women. 
And I think many of them don't realize there's something they can do to turn that around. Yep, just like any other muscles in the body that we work on, the biceps and the arm, you know, the quads and the leg, there's muscles um, in the in the general areas that become weak or stretched or, or we don't use them efficiently and, and our therapists have um, private rooms uh, away from all the other treatment areas because it is a sensitive topic and they work on biofeedback and education on how to really control those muscles again um, especially for women they don't have to live with incontinence in their life it's uh, it's a fallacy that's put out in the media a lot that this is something you have to live with and have to use depends etc but there are ways to uh, heal and treat that um, condition and and it's usually only a couple visits it's not like prolonged like after knee surgery you might see us for six to eight weeks but uh, pelvic floor most time they come for three to four visits and 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 they can correct the issue Jim, one of the things that Finger Lakes Health is best known for is stroke care. Talk about post-stroke therapy and rehabilitation. Well, that aspect is less of my expertise and more of the expertise of some of the other physical therapists. What's amazing about the department is the diversity of expertise. It's the best physical therapy department I've ever been in with regard to specialization and uh, the team approach that Maureen spoke to. Yes, I do work together with the other physical therapists. If somebody, let's, I, I work on balance and things of that nature, I could work with a stroke patient, but why not give them to somebody who specializes in that and deals with that all the time uh, versus I work with more orthopedic cases. And one of the things that you were doing in your private practice that we talked about in the old days is a shift more towards, call it prehab, doing things so you don't get injured in the first place. One of the nice things uh, since I came, uh, came to uh, Finger Lakes Health is uh, they have given me the opportunity to address the occupational health in the community. So uh, you know I've talked about lifting technique and things of that nature, and um, I've approached in industry to prevent injuries, to teach people how to lift properly. Just, uh, we have a, a balance program that Maureen can speak to better, but I address the back and spinal health and uh, repetitive injury syndromes that occur in industry and could work directly with um, uh, the local industry and businesses to do so. And of course, we had a couple of pretty big snowstorms lately. In a few moments, Jim's going to demonstrate proper shoveling technique. I've seen this before, <laughs> and I have a cranky back, so I'm, I, I'm very cognizant of using my legs to lift. Uh, Jim mentioned it, Maureen. The uh, you do the community mobility screening, yep. which is great. We just, in fact, we just posted it. If you look on the community calendar at FingerLakes1.com, where people 65 and older you put them through a series of tests to look for any fall risks or balance issues again to prevent that injury yep we want to keep people home and living in, in the community and like you said um, you know preventive and wellness is a big part of our, our department so the community screening is for 65 and older um, we schedule half-hour sessions so you have to be registered for it. it's every third Thursday of the month um, here here in Geneva as well as Penyan and what we do is we do grip strength, we do balance exercises, we do flexibility, and we have a table of norms um, that for different age ranges. And we tell you where you are um, based upon your age and where you should be. If you have any deficits, we provide uh, free e exercises. The whole screening is free as well. 
to try to make sure that we're keeping our community members in the community and independent. What kind of environmental tips can you give people, for example, things to look for at home, throw rugs and, and other sort of fall risks? You always throw rugs. People love to have rugs around the house, and they're always uh, slip, uh, slippery, you know, so it's good to take those up. Um, in your bathroom, if you want to have grab bars in the, in the shower or the tub so that you can hold on to that because it's a slippery surface so that you can step in and out more safely. And also like coffee tables and things like that. If you have them close to the couch, that's a thin area that you have to squeak in and balance. If you're carrying your uh, Super Bowl Sunday last week, your snacks over to the coffee table, you know, that it's a little precarious as we get older to have to maneuver around smaller um, areas. So you want nice w wide open areas to walk around in. And if you're fatigued, um, throughout the day, save your energy. You know, if you have a chair next to your bedside, get dressed. Uh, you know, with, you know, with the chair, and then you can save your energy for doing something with your grandkids or, or getting around town. We talked earlier about the time involved in rehab and how it's shrunk down so much. What were the breakthroughs that allowed us to rehab people from these injuries so much faster than you could maybe 20 years ago? Well, the um, the orthopedic surgeons have accepted early intervention, which is really key to the rehabilitation process. I've been around a while, and they used to actually cast ACL injuries, uh, reconstructions, for six weeks in a cast post-surgically. And as Maureen said, nowadays, uh, an ACL, as long as they don't have a meniscal repair and they're full weight-bearing, we get them walking normal within a week or two and we get them doing exercises for strengthening uh, from the beginning, which uh, back in the old days was extremely difficult, and that's why ACL injuries used to be a possibly career-ending injury versus nowadays it's quite predictable. So for both of you, talk a little bit about the mental aspect of rehab, because one of the hardest parts is convincing the patient that, yes, you can put weight on that leg or whatever it is and, and you can do this and, and many times they might be reluctant, no, I'm not ready, it's going to hurt. Even at the end of their recovery they have that mental component. Like people have been cleared by their physicians but when they come to our practice you can see that when they're stopping and their stopping strategy they're always landing on the uninvolved thing and they don't even realize that, that they're babying that leg, you know. So it's real important to have that mental component and trust with your therapist to, to really help guide right from the beginning you know, understand that things might hurt a little bit, but you're not going to hurt it, and, and we're here to make sure that you get to the optimum level. So it's really important to have that mental and, um, you know, f physical co combination together to get them mob mobile and get back to their sport. The first thing I address when a patient comes to me is their fear. If I cannot get to their soft tissue restrictions until I, I address their fear, and I would prefer to have them have an internal motivation to do their exercises. So when I progress some, someone, I always want to create a success early, which leads to another success. And building on success leads to trust. And so by doing that, you help to uh, avoid the fear interfering with the physical rehabilitation. And you and I have talked a lot over the years about pain, and it's a signal and like Maureen said, just because something hurts doesn't mean you're going to do more damage to it. So a certain amount of pain is part of the process and is okay. That's, that's a good point, Ted. Ta uh, pain is our friend in physical therapy because it tells us 
when we're reaching a threshold and also guides us in our care plan. Uh, there is some, most pain, to be honest, could be avoided if you're internally motivated because movement actually helps to um, compete with pain signals going to the brain. So if I could get someone moving, then the pain actually decreases. So, um, and with spinal care, I use pain to actually guide the care plan throughout the entire process that a patient understands that my back is killing me. Uh, uh, let's say they had leg pain down to their foot. Sometimes the pain will track up and down the leg. They need to understand that when it radiates down the leg, it's catching a nerve. The, whatever structure is pinching a nerve and that is making their condition worse. So teaching them the understanding that sometimes you want to accept back pain if the leg symptoms go away. It is a hard sell, but like I said, the, this trust process is built gradually and leading them to subsequent you know, successes. And that's the other part of the equation too, is that where the pain is doesn't necessarily mean that's where the injury is. So sometimes people, they might get hung up, oh, my ankle hurts, and it's like, well, that's because you're doing something else. This, this is true. Um, the hip could refer to the knee. I had a patient referred to me for bilateral knee pain, and I looked at their knees, and their knees looked fine. I looked at their hips, and um, they ended up having total hip replacements uh, uh, within months uh, because I picked up on the fact that the, the hips were the source of the pain. And the neck and the back, obviously, you heard of sciatica, you heard um, radiculopathy, things of that nature where the pain radiates down an arm or down the leg. It's very important that people understand that that's a more serious symptom than just pain in the neck or pain in the low back. Maureen, when you were rehabbing, do you remember the first moment that you knew you were fully back when you made a move on the floor and said, hey, wait, that's, that's the way I used to be able to do it. It didn't hurt. I'm back. Yeah. I, well, I realized when I wasn't my first time back, I had scar tissue tear, and I didn't, this before I knew therapy or anything really, it was my first experience, and when that scar tissue tore, I, I was petrified that I hurt something, you know, but it felt looser and better, and my therapist at the time, like you said, that trust factor, he, you know, he let me, I called him, and he's like, no, that's probably scar tissue, feels fine now, you're good to go, and then, and then even when I went back to play, I, you could tell I was one of those folks landing a little bit different. My shot was off. It was my senior year, two points. The first came back, I was a little upset and just uh, had a friend notice that it was just a little bit of my um, pelvis shifting and, and then went out and had 26 points the next night. So, you know, it was, a, it was it's a lot to that comeback for those athletes. And, you know, with Finger Lakes Health, we have the athletic training services for Geneva High School, Minders Academy, Penyon Academy, and Dundee. And having those trainers right on board complement the therapy that, you know, an ACL reconstruction, you have that trust and that well-being. And I know Jim participated with our athletic trainers and Julie Tyler, our orthopedic certified specialist, last summer in free programming, which we're going to repeat this summer, on strength and conditioning and sports performance enhancing um, and injury prevention for our local athletes right on the campus of the high schools. So you mentioned somebody noticing that you were off a little bit. In this day, do you use video a lot? For example, do you get 
baseline video on an athlete who's healthy so that if they get hurt, you can say, well, here's what you look like when you're perfect, and here's what you're doing now. Yep, we have um, iPads in the clinic where we use uh, video to film them and show them and give them feedback. And that's just not for athletes, but also for people who have balance issues and, and trying to show them where, where you know, their gait pattern might be a little bit off, how they're walking a little different that affects their balance. So, yep, we use that kind of feedback. And we're hoping to have, you know, create with our athletic trainers a, a clinic where anybody, even if they don't come to Finger Lakes Health, can come in the, for the athlete and really video them in closed chain where their feet are always touching the ground, open chain activities where their one leg's up, one, one's down, and, and, and really kind of showing those folks that you really, are you re really ready to go back or this is what you need to work on still, you know, because we really, it's important for our community to make sure that we're doing the right thing. We've talked about this in the past, Jim, and I know you've, provided a lot of training services for athletes and that is specialization we're increasingly seeing students whether it's by their choice or they're being pushed a little bit towards specializing in one sport where back in the day the good overall athlete might play three or four is there a greater risk of injury when for example if you're going to be I'm just basketball I'm going to play AEU in the summer basketball in the winter because you don't have that different range of motion that you would if you played different sports movement patterning is necessary to be successful at any activity especially the complex movement patterning necessary to play a sport i think uh, when children are young they should be allowed to play a multitude of sports because it helps to prepare them for many situations um, if you play basketball you, you you're developing the explosive ability that could be applied to football that you could go up and get that pass and things of that nature so I, I think that parents shouldn't pigeonhole their kids into one sport coaches would say oh you got to dedicate yourself to this well let them be kids for a certain time it's not their career yet and let them be kids and play multiple sports that's my philosophy I'd just like to mention the benefit of having the athletic trainers paired with the physical therapists treating the, the uh, patients and athletes. Um, I did provide, I started the uh, sports medicine program at Geneva High School and I gave it up a few years ago because Finger Lakes Health has the ability to address it with medical staff, with concussion specialists with people and full-time staffing at the school so the athletic trainer at Geneva High used to work for me she calls me up she says Jim I got somebody I got a back back patient I want you to take a look at I get him in I do a free athletic <coughs> injury screen if, if it's something she wants me to assess I talk to the parents it's the communication process between the the physical therapist, the athletic trainer, the parents, and the student that actually makes the process successful. And at Finger Lakes Health, we have that. We have the whole program, and we work together. I, I work together with the occupational therapist, too. We work as a team, and the team works because of Maureen, because... So She's a leader. Yeah, so, so talk about how you put that plan together and all the resources you have at your disposal to put a plan together for a patient. The nicest thing, like, I, I always want to be part of programs and, and, and be successful in programs. And, and when we put something in like that for athletic training, we, you know, work with our physicians in the orthopedic office at IOS. Um, we work with um, Dr. Feinberg, our chief medical officer. 
And we also look at the n national organizations like NADA, the National Athletic Associa uh, Trainers Association, and they have a whole standard of um, uh, of objectives to meet to ma make a really good program. And with Finger Lakes Health, we were able to put in that nutritional factor. We were able to put in emergency action plans. Our athletic trainers work with local EMS on, on practicing how to eradicate a, a hockey player from the ice if there's a major injury that could cause uh, further harm. And put that together and work with the school district's administration. So um, it's, it takes a lot to, to put something together like that, but we want to make sure that we're thorough, we're doing all, hitting all the major buttons and, and creating programs that the community, the parents, the athletes feel safe in. And um, with the electronic medical record, we can communicate with the phys physicians quickly and let them know how they're progressing. And, and we communicate, like Jim said, um, on a daily basis about how our, our folks are doing and how to get them back. You mentioned nutrition. I mean, that's there have been tremendous advances there. In my day, a high school kid ate potato chips and drank soda, and that was about it. Now, younger and younger athletes are aware of what they're eating and the connection between that and their performance and their health. Yep. We're currently working with our nutrition department to see if we can get somebody to specialize and work and go out and do um, in-services for the parents and for the athletes on proper nutrition. All right, Jim, uh, show us how to lift properly and how to shovel snow. Who was it? Somebody said, uh, give me a lever and I'll move the world. Was that Archimedes, I think? <laughs> I don't know. That's a very good point. <laughs> I always think that this should be taught in elementary school because we spend our lifetime with one body, and, and, yeah. and they don't teach us how to breathe properly when we're exercising or how to lift properly to protect our back. Because obviously, you know, right away, when you have a heavy weight at the end of a handle a long distance away from you, that's an injury waiting to happen, so you're going to tell us how to avoid that. That's leverage on your spine. Right. Um, first, uh, I'd like to speak to that, Ted. When, when you hold an object against your body, it has no leverage on your spine. However, you hold it out here, and that's ten times more pressure on your lumbar spine than when it's in here. So when you go to move, first you have to start with a proper squat. In order to squat properly, you do not want your knees to go past your toes. You want your hips to go back and you want your hips and knees to move in unison. So the best example, and I try to tap into old movement patterns, is a, like a shortstop waiting to, for the ball to be hit or a middle linebacker waiting for the play to start. It's called the athletic posture. It's even gone into golf where this is Tiger Woods and that's Arnold Palmer. So you want to put your hands on your knees, keep your head up, and you can practice this at any age. If you're older and have balance issues, do it with a good chair behind you, but practice head up, butt out. And that's proper squatting technique. To lift an object, you want to get right over the object. Whenever lifting, you see I put that down, that's light, but I want to straddle or get right over the object, head up, and pick it up. And I'm taking an asymmetrical stance right now, which you can't see from the camera angle, but when you shovel, you rather push than, than bend and twist. So you want to push the snow along. And notice I lock this into my center of gravity, which is my pelvic girdle right here, and I'll move like that. When I go to pick up the snow, if you don't have to pick it up, don't pick it up. You could 
tip the shovel like that on the ground to just move the snow. But when you do need to pick it up, you want to squat. And once again, I get this asymmetrical stance. I take preferably a long-handled shovel and lever the shovel over my leg like this. That way, I create a fulcrum to lift the weight. And my force is right in close to me, and it lifts the weight up. And then I stand with it, walk, and drop. Or if you need to go behind you, step. Move your feet. Moving your feet helps to protect your back. Yep, don't twist your spine. Back when I was in school, they had um, a machine to test our force. They had us lift with back muscles only, and it was about 30, 40 pounds of force. Then they had us use our quads, our leg muscles, and it was about 180 pounds of force that we could generate. So it's a big difference, and, and the leg muscles were the ones made for lifting. So no twisting, no bending, you know, just like Jim said, that nice squat. Well, and if you need any further proof, I mean, look at weightlifters. That's what they do, lift weights, and that's the exact posture you talked about. I mean, a weightlifter doesn't bend over the weight and try to pull it up like this. It's all legs and hips and, and close leverage into the body. It's called the Olympic-style lifting for a reason. And Maureen can speak to another reason to move in this manner, and that's to prevent uh, people actually could experience overloading the heart while uh, shoveling. Wow. Yeah, when you hear that, like a lot of people have heart attacks right after shoveling heavy, wet snow. It's, if, you're if you're not using your leg muscles efficiently, you know, the resistance goes uh, to those leg muscle arteries and tightens up a little bit and you're using your upper body more, that's where the blood's flowing. So then you have more resistance of your blood to a bigger part of your body, which puts a strain on your heart. Now, Jim, tell us about something athletes know about, but snow shovelers might not, and that's cool down afterwards. It, that is very important, Ted, especially to prevent back injuries. Usually when somebody's tired after they worked out, they may go sit in their recliner on their couch and they slump. And if we're trying to prevent back injuries, uh, sitting puts six times more pressure on the lumbar spine than lying down. So if you come in from shoveling, don't sit, lie down. And um, you could lay down on your back, pillow under your knees, or you could, if you could tolerate it, lie on your stomach. Uh, always, if you're lying on your side, if it hurts on one side, you want to lie on the opposite side of your pain, pillow between your knees. Those are better resting postures than, so while you're cooling down, uh, might as well take pressure off of the um, area that you just taxed. And then also, when you get to be my age, uh, young sons. Come yep. in, come in, are very important. <laughs> Where are those kids that used to walk around the neighborhood with the shovels and shovel your driveway for kids? There's a good occupation out there. If you want to earn some money, get a shovel and go through your neighborhood. I guarantee you'll make some bucks. And still use the right lifting techniques. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. All right, very good. Jim, thank you. Maureen, yeah. thank you. Go to flhealth.org and you can look up both physical therapy and rehabilitation services. Uh, anything else that we've left out or new programs coming up that you want to talk about? No, just like I said, we have great staff. Jim said it. You know, Jim's on board now. And, and, and we do have the priority of um, treating everybody one-on-one. -on -one, so I just like to stress that. the whole. If you need 30 minutes of therapy, 45 an hour, you are with that therapist, undivided attention for that whole time. And you don't see that in a lot of outpatient clinics. 
All right, Maureen Loyal, Director of Rehab Services with Finger Lakes Health, and Jim Madera, Physical Therapist. Coming up tonight, high school hockey on FingerLakes1.com. Uh, our show producers, Nate Charman and Paul Russo, will be at the uh, YMCA for the Skinny Atlas Lakers and the Baldwinsville Bees. And then coming up tomorrow, Josh Durso will be here in studio with me for the weekly debrief, uh, plenty of news headlines to talk about. We'll see you then. Thanks for watching.